All right, people, are we ready to do this thing? Ready. Yes. Not going to miss my shot. Yeah. All right. Let's do this thing. Internet and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I'm joined this week by the one true Ben, Mike, and special guest stars. Kevin, uh, we can't hear you. Did you mute your microphone? I did not. Huh. Oh, there you are. Try it again. And I'm Becca. Okay. So, yes, Kevin and Becca, because I didn't actually hear Kevin say it again, but whatever. Um, <laughs> these now? two. Yes. Perfect. Don't know what happened there. Ben, you're, we're picking up a lot of ambient noise from you. Um, how dare you have better internet than, and that uh, that transmits all the white noise? Sorry? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, all I got right now is crickets. I can close a window. Um, that might help. I think that's. I think it's the crickets that are picking up. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. I mean, you sound like you're... Like, you sound like you're in the bathroom, in but the bathroom, yes, we can hear you. Okay. <laughs> I'm across the room. <laughs> Uh, All right. In the bathroom, frowned upon because I need to switch rooms. Then ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll fit in well here. Um, <laughs> Got a lot of humor. So for uh, we're we're about a month behind on 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 jumping on this particular hype train, but uh, such it is with scheduling and the like. Uh, we're going to talk about Hamilton the musical. Uh, the an American musical is it? I think I think is the official subtitle of it. Um, and, uh, and how it was recently released on Disney plus for pretty much everyone to see. Um, before we do that though, um, standard rules apply. Um, we have signal boosts. Um, I usually like to actually come up last on that. So Ben, you got anything? Um, yes. And actually I have to thank Becca, uh, for this one. Um, it's a group called The Stupendium. Yes. I'm blaming you, Becca. Um, it's a group called, uh, The Stupendium on YouTube. They do um, music videos to games. My favorite one is The Fine Print, um, which is a, a music, uh, a YouTube video for the Outer Worlds. I have found them. There will be a link in the doobly-doo. Okay, thank you. So I will, well, I will leave that to you then. So. And you'll Kevin? Mm -hmm. Or not uh, Kevin. Mike, do you have anything? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I've been playing... Uh... Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition on the Switch <laughs> with Lacey, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, for people that, uh, well, you've probably heard of the game if you're familiar with the franchise, but anyway, mm -hmm. um, there's a Dynasty Warriors franchise that's been, you know, it's gone back like a long time. There's been like eight of those games or something, seven or eight of them. Dynasty Warriors um, 3 Extreme on the PS2 was my jam. I guess it depends on whether you count. It's kind of like iPhones, right? Where you have like the iPhone 4, the iPhone 4S, the iPhone 5, the iPhone 5S. There's always this like, uh, transitional one that's like you know it's like the mm -hmm. one the most recent iteration but with yep. more stuff but wait there's more mm -hmm. and they come out with like an XL version anyway basically for those not familiar Dynasty Warriors is a um, game where you uh, you're like on the field of battle and you're actually doing like it's like a you have like a 
like a war going on, but you're actually in the field just like as an action beat em up kind of thing where you're laying waste to these armies and you have like hero units that you're uh, using control of to like take over like keeps and outposts and whatever. And it's a it's a whole thing. But Hyrule Warriors is that, but instead of the uh, the dynasties that uh, at least loosely based on actual historical uh, people, it's uh, set in the Zeldaverse and Hyrule. And you've got Link and Zelda and all these other um, like supporting characters and you can play as a lot of the villains too mm -hmm. ganondorf and others and uh yeah it's yeah. a lot of fun and uh been uh, getting unlocking the various weapons and stuff and uh it's got a lot of different gameplay modes and pretty much all of them have uh, co-op in it so it's, they it's fix the of... fps issues for uh for co-op mode because i know that was a big problem when it was on the wii u uh supposedly because i haven't noticed any excellent but basically, it's called Definitive Edition because uh, much in the tradition of, hey, the same game, but more, they had um, they had for the Wii U, they had Hyrule Warriors, the original release, and then for the Switch, it's basically like a, a polished port of the original game, plus all the like expansion DLC stuff or whatever, um, all in one shiny little package. So, Linkle! Yes, Linkle, which is actually one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite warriors to play as, because you can kick butt from a distance, and uh, it's a lot safer <laughs> that way. And she's got the whole dual crossbow, like Demon Hunter from Diablo 3 style thing going on. It's pretty cool. And, For those who uh, aren't aware, Linkle is the Rule 63 version of Link. What's Rule 63? Rule 63 is if a, if a, uh, if a character exists, there is a gender-swapped version of that character that exists. Ah. But like in in the game, it's presented as like basically like somebody cost it. It's like if a cosplayer suddenly became actually like powered. Like mm -hmm. she's like... I don't know if it's necessarily Link specifically, but she was she's like a hero of time fangirl. Mm -hmm. And so she she donned the garb or whatever from Legend. And so she's like basically in a Link outfit and she's like <laughs> willed herself into becoming this heroic, powerful warrior. And yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, another fun little thing is uh, if you if you use the uh, the strong attack and you run out of the, the like power meter or whatever and you hit it, she'll do this thing where she where she just like lifts one of her crossbows up into the air and goes da na na na. <laughs> that's adorable excellent Kevin, yeah, you have anything mine's a little a little smaller and maybe a little outside the uh the wheelhouse uh, that you guys have been talking about but we i've recently come we talked about bushcrafting so go for it bro okay well, i've yeah. become obsessed with a uh, uh the album's a couple, couple months several months old but uh the, from the new nightwish album the last song on there um, is called Endlessness. And that song I've just been obsessed with this last week or so. Uh, just the the beat, the, the car riffs, the... Uh, it doesn't have Floor singing in this one. It's uh, got uh, Marco singing. And he does just a phenomenal job on it. Um, just the way he sings the song and just kind of like the theme. It's like, uh, the theme is like, it's from the perspective of the universe. Um, the vocals are from the perspective of the universe, like um, just eternal and endless hence the name Endless, Endlessness. But it's a, just a wonderful song, and I recommend if you're at all into uh, operatic or melodic metal at all, checking it out. Link will be in the doobly-doo, as well as the green room of our, uh, of, of our, of our community Discord that nobody, that nobody is a part of. But hey, you could join. Check it out on our Facebook page. Becca, do you have anything? Um, not really. Most of what, I mean, what I've been really into this week has been playing Bendy and the Ink Machine. Cause, you know, that's worth shouting out. It was a really cool little indie game. I, I haven't played it, but I've watched a couple Let's Plays. And so one of the cool things about it is once you beat it, you get a super secret decoder ring. Mm -hmm. You play the game again, looking for secret messages hidden throughout the game. Nice. And that's not fair I'll, for me. 
I like games with 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 replay value, even even when they're like short little episodic things like Bendy. Drink Ovaltine. <laughs> Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Yes. Uh, so I've got three things to uh, to briefly shout out slash mention on uh, my end. Uh, first, a brief uh, thing. Uh, in follow-up to our uh, very special episode about mental health, um, I am uh, currently taking anti-anxiety medication because sometimes you need some help. Um, if you if you can't make your if if you can't make your own neurotransmitter, store-bought is fine. Um, it is like it is not a sign of weakness to to take medication. It is a t- it is a sign that you are willing to do what is necessary to to deal with your illness it's like any other illness if you get a if you get an infection you need to take your antibiotics if you can't if you can't deal with your mental illness then medication is potentially the way to go talk to your doctor obviously but you know and the what i'm on has been really helping me um i I haven't been nearly so like i haven't been so tense i you know, my resting heart rate's down by like five beats per minute. Neil is pretty happy, and I'm not sure whether that's just because I've had a good week or because I'm on the meds, but I'll take either. Maybe the two feed into each other. It is possible. Um, so, of course, all also, this, not, not, go ahead. Well, no, it's just like, you know, I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. If, you know, if I start having bad times, then, you know, I'm, I'll talk to my therapist about it, because I've got a therapist now, too. So, um, that's for That's one thing. Two, uh, just a brief reiteration of something I think I probably said two years ago. The Spider-Man game on PS4 is really freaking great. Um, I recently picked up the DLC for it and have been replaying it, and it's just fantastic. Um, And my standard, I try to find something interesting to shout out on YouTube. Uh, The YouTuber that I want to highlight this uh, this time is Daniel Thrasher. He does um, piano-based sketch comedy. Um, which is funnier than it sounds. Very short-form videos, like two to three minutes apiece. Uh, link will be in the doobly-doo. Obviously, for anything that we recommend, please uh, please comment in their, in their comment section that, that we sent you, because that helps to build buzz for us. Yes, I know, it's, um, it's kind of... It's kind of, it, it's kind of eh, but hey, um, anything helps. Um, <laughs> don't forget, don't forget to hit subscribe and like. Yeah, on on our stuff too. Snap I need to start uploading button. to YouTube again. Um, so, um, if we're gonna talk about Hamilton, then there's a very obvious spoiler of the week that would need to be given. Spoiler, and that is, yeah, spoiler of the fortnight. Yes, I will still call it spoiler of the week, even though we don't record weekly anymore. Um, just because I can't break the habit. Um, and that is <clears throat> Aaron Burr shoots Alexander Hamilton. Yes, I know, right? Bum, bum, bum. I'm just going to turn it off now. <laughs> no point finishing. Yeah. yeah, now we know how it ends, damn it. But, you know, Aaron Burr is the only sitting vice president that uh, killed someone in, in a duel that we are aware of. Fun fact. <laughs> So Hamilton, an American musical. Um, it is in, in. Oh shoot! There was one other thing. Uh, one other piece of news that I ran across that I wanted to share. Apparently, Not your chance. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll come back to it. Then we'll get to Hamilton. Uh, apparently, the Mandalorian season two is going to be coming out in October of this year. Yes, I saw that today. Yeah, that news just broke. Um, so 
Hooray! More Mandalorian coming soon. Uh, that that's really kind of about it. Um, but um, now to Hamilton. Um, so being of the theater perspective of the you know I I've, I'm the I'm an old theater guy at this point from you know been doing it for 14 years. I oh, wow. initially. <clears throat> You know that that it's that that is a fair amount of uh, that is a fair amount of experience, Ben. Sure, so, we're not all eighty like you and have had th- and have and have say, had twenty thousand jobs, but uh... I was say, is this where we put in an insert Neil is old joke? <laughs> That's why you use the word experienced instead of old. Yeah, because I that, that that is that is the thing. Like I've been doing theater for about fifteen years. Because I've been doing it since I was sixteen. I'm only thirty-one. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a thousand years old like Ben. That's a proper response, I think. Um, <laughs> not gonna add that one. Banter reflux. Yes. Um, but I have a tendency. I have a very knee-jerk reaction to Broadway musical that wins all the Tony Awards, uh, which is usually it's. Uh, it's it's usually man, this thing's gonna be overrated. To, uh, this thing's gonna be overrated to all get out because <laughs> so many of them have been. Um, what? Yeah, I was gonna say Wicked springs to mind. Um, it, I mean, it's it's an overrated musical, but man, did it win all the all the Tonys. Um, I'm also not too particularly fond of Book of Mormon, which some people will say is heresy um, in more heresy. ways than one. Mormon is amazing. <clears throat> Certainly a lot of levels of irony there. By the way, how yeah. confusing would the Jersey reviews of Wicked be? Like, yo, this Wicked show is Wicked good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, who's on first routine? <laughs> Thank you. He'll be here all week. Uh, <laughs> all fortnight. <laughs> um, but like, but but the, the matters of taste aside, I have found that frequently, in my opinion, the Broadway musical What Wins All the Awards is overblown and overhyped and very dismissible slash forgettable. Hamilton is one of the few musicals that I have seen that I feel actually des- or lives up to and deserves every bit of hype it has gotten. We will need to have an argument about this later, Neil. Okay. You don't think it des- you don't think Hamilton deserves its hype? No, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about other musicals that won a lot of awards that so totally deserve their hype, just like Hamilton. Okay, fair enough. We can do that, but uh, so, not all musicals. Yes, <laughs> not all musicals. Um, but so, like, like from my from my pseudo hipsterish point of view, which I admit is probably it, a lot of that is I I stopped started just not even caring about musicals that won what all the awards because I got burned too much by it when I was in high school. Um, You've been hurt but, before. Yeah, but <laughs> Hamilton's Hamilton's freaking great. Um, that's why we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, see, Hamilton is Hamilton. I, I would say is not so much a Broadway musical. It's a freaking rap opera. Well, <laughs> technically speaking, it is an operetta. Um, which is to say, it is. Technically which speaking. is what? Technically speaking, there's no technically speaking about it. Well, it's not an opera because it's not Italian. Um, well, here we go. This is the part where I talk about how your champagne isn't really champagne because it's not from the Champagne region of France and all that uh-huh. bullshit. <laughs> here, from a, from an outsider perspective, here, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of you know not being as not being someone who's done theater, um, mm-hmm. 
as far as I'm concerned, it's a musical and it was performed on Broadway. Therefore, it is a Broadway musical. Like, we well, have it's to definitely a musical. Like, if you, so, if you think Broadway musical as in what is traditionally con considered a Broadway musical or what most Broadway musicals are or were, that's a completely different thing than just like, you know, it, mm -hmm. the so popular will, musical that was done on Broadway. Yeah. Right. Now, so I, won't disagree with you, Mike. I, I won't disagree with you, Mike, because it is a, uh, it is a Broadway musical. But... Yes. I think it transcends what most Broadway musicals are and becomes a rap opera because it transcends what most musicals mm. are to begin with. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I wasn't um, saying I, I wasn't saying it was not a rap opera. I was saying two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. It is a Broadway musical and it is also a rap opera. In this situation, it's one of those things where all squares are where all uh, rectangles where all squares are rectangles, but all rectangles are squares. Yes, or let me, I guess, I never get tired of saying this, let me throw this out there. This is my douchebag and pickup truck theory, which is, <laughs> if you drive a pickup truck, you're not necessarily a douchebag, you might be a great guy, but if you're a douchebag, there's a really good chance to drive a pickup truck. <laughs> what That's a more it, fun version of rectangles and squares. Mm -hmm. What makes it more of an opera than a Broadway musical is the fact that there is very little dialogue. There is essentially none. Right. Um, and... Really, actually, the different the differentiation between an opera and an operetta is length more than anything else. Um, mostly, the mo main reason I would call this an operetta is because it's is is because it exists in two acts as opposed to five. Um, if you want to get super technical, I yes, I threw out the whole um, I threw out the whole it's not an Italian, but anyone who's listened to Wagner would say that that's opera too, and that's all in German. So it's in German. So, but yeah, I mean, and truth is, you know, mm -hmm. if you took Hamilton and slowed it down to normal speaking speed, it would be four hours long. That is uh, that is one of the more commonly bandied about uh, pieces of uh, of uh, of statistic on it, which I think is is quite interesting and is you know it's it's worth noting. But even then, still, it would still only be in two acts. It would just be two very long acts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Each act would have its own separate intermission. <laughs> yeah. By the way. I really feel like Act One should have stopped with the Battle of Lexington. Like that should have been, Yorktown? yeah, Yorktown. Sorry, not Lexington. Yeah, it should have. It should have ended. That that should have been the intermission break. It. I think it is a stronger. Uh, I, I really feel that it is a that it is a stronger end of act go to intermission um, song than. Um, history has its eyes on you. Yeah. Then what? Non stop, non -stop yeah. Non stop. Mm -hmm. So, non stop is essential in being the last song in Act One because you have to ramp up to Hamilton having his his career. So, right. And besides, let's never forget the amazing start of Act Two with the introduction yes. of Jefferson. So that, that was going to be my point. What I miss is is fantastic. Uh, you, you you can't end with Yorktown without taking away from the amazing start of Act Two with what did I miss? Which is, I think, a stronger beginning than Yorktown would have been a str stronger ending, in my opinion. Okay, that's yeah. fair. And the thing is, is that with with um, with Lin Manuel Miranda, I mean, he's 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 a great presence on stage. But David, and I can't remember his last name. David Diggs. David Diggs. Yes. Um, I mean, good job. Yeah, David <laughs> Diggs. He completely dominates the stage when Lin Manuel Miranda is not on and when they're both on it's like a battle of the titans well, you know i, I mm -hmm. lin-manuel miranda's probably one of the weaker singers in the show 
he's he's the really weakest singer. Is. He's a he terrible is, vocalist. He is absolute like Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda is a fantastic lyricist um, mm-hmm. and writer, and he's an okay rapper, and he can't and and, and he can carry a tune in a bucket, but um, his he, voice wasn't made for singing. No, it really wasn't. No. And the, the, but the thing that uh, my wife likes point out has pointed out to me in the past even though he's not a great vocalist he's still very good at conveying emotion in his voice which not every good vocalist is good at and that's his strength at, on in this musical is that even when his he's technically not a great good singer i mean very much so uh, and it's, that's uh, very much on point in the song dear theodosia when uh leslie odom jr stops singing and it goes into yeah, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda singing, and it's like this huge juxt- juxtaposition yeah. of amazing vocalist to what the crap is this? But uh, Lin Manuel mm. Miranda brings a very good strength in that he can convey the emotion uh, in his voice better than I think anybody else on the stage. Yeah. I think uh, a good point is uh, the um, because the whole thing is kind of because there's hardly any dialogue. Uh, but there's still parts that are less like, you know, like when there's interstitial stuff, interstitial stuff going on, like he gets away with it to an extent because it becomes like an ex- expository thing. Like maybe not in the big song numbers per se, but like because it's a little more murky, like it's not as jarring because it's not like you have somebody who like is part of the main cast in a traditional musical where it's just like dialogue and then break into song where it's like, Oh man, this person isn't nearly as good of a singer. Like when everything's kind of sung, it's not as big of a difference. Yeah. yeah. And one other, sorry, go ahead, Becca. You've, you've been talked over like three times now. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, the other thing is that we're also looking at a live performance and most times live performances get a lot more forgiveness than what we're used to, especially mm-hmm. if you don't really go to live performances often. Because, like, if you look at Lin-Manuel Miranda's work on the soundtrack or even his work on, like, um, Mary Poppins Returns, he's a very mm-hmm. strong vocalist in that because, you know, that's a movie format and he's able to get a recording in. And that's what we're yeah. used to hearing versus a live musical mm-hmm. version, which a lot of us are not used to to um consuming yeah but even even in the live performance leslie odom jr and davy diggs just completely eat his lunch oh they all do i mean i don't think he's like i said even in the recording he's still the weakest vocalist on the track or on the on the album like we don't don't get me wrong when i say he's a subpar vocalist um he'll he'll still kick the hell out of me yes true um and anyone else in this discord Right. Oh, I've heard Becca sing. She might give him a run for money. Just just by comparison to all these fantastic vocalists that he happens to be singing against, and there are many absolutely fantastic vocalists on this. That's the thing too, is that it's such a high bar that when you're the worst of that bunch, it's still pretty good. It's like like you're the worst NFL player, but you're still the best. You're still an NFL player. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're still, you know, you're still, you're the last of your medical uh, school class, but you're still a doctor. <laughs> so yeah, yeah Lin Manuel Miranda is iron fist good when it comes to uh, when it comes to singing. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, <laughs> which I which I think is one of our one of my favorite things that we've ever coined. Oh yeah, the, iron fist um, good is fantastic. Didn't Ben come up with that? I do believe that was you, Ben. Yes. <laughs> I'll yeah, take credit. It's great. Right. Well, for anyone who hasn't listened to our episodes on the MCU from like three years ago, Iron Fist Good is uh, in reference to the Netflix original series uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, 
Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, mm. and uh, Jessica Jones. Iron Fist was easily the weakest of them, but it was still pretty good. Just when you compare them to what were fan- really, really good Netflix series, it kind of didn't it didn't measure up as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, one thing I one, one thing other thing I really want to mention um, that I particularly like about uh, this show is that I don't know if you've ever noticed this just looking at Lin Manuel Miranda, but he perpetually looks sleep deprived, and that really works well for Hamilton. <laughs> oh, this is uh-huh. this is Vince Vaughn, Susan Sarandon syndrome all over again. <laughs> Even even like when he's just posting crap on his Twitter, he looks like he hasn't had a good night's sleep in like three years. And really also suffer from this syndrome, so he I... Uh... He hasn't had a good night's sleep since In the Heights came out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been frantically writing his own stuff. Yeah. Writing like he's running out of time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's talk about how g- great his soundtrack to Moana was. I mean... Yeah. That's he's he's done amazing uh, stuff since Hamilton, even. Yeah, and In the Heights was really good too. Mm-hmm. So he didn't write that though; he was in it though, right? No, he wrote that. He oh, he wrote, wrote it too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that My... was that's the story behind Hamilton is that he was taking a break uh-huh. um, after his show came off off stage. And so he was going out with his family, and he picked up what he thought was the most boring book he could find, so that way he could kind of just forget everything. And it was a biography on Alexander Hamilton, which I've read the turnout bio, the turnout biography. Because come on, what could be more boring? He was our first Secretary of the Treasury, and money's boring, right? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, yeah, kind of. I I'd heard that story too that he had, and then he was like completely engrossed with it. With Hamilton as a person, I mean, this underrated I, founder. That was what he said when he uh, when he debuted the first. Uh, like he said that when he debuted the first uh, the opening track um, at uh, the White House. When he said, "This is just an idea I've kind of got kicking around in my head. Here's why." And he did like the first thing just as ju- just by himself, just the opening Alexander Hamilton um, at some White House event. I can't remember what it was. Um, because Barack Obama was a fan of his. That's fair. <laughs> Which is a very... Although, one other great thing I found out about uh, about Miranda here um, is he ha- is a gigantic, huge Weird Al fan. And yeah. apparently, like, got semi-starstruck when he got a chance to be on the same late-night show as Weird Al at one point. <laughs> just completely great. geeked out. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so this was we, we, I knew you know you knew this was coming. Um, fa- favorite favorite songs or t- favorite yeah favorite songs or song or songs if you can't really pick one. Ben, right. what do you think? All right. <coughs> so I have two for two very different. Okay. Um, so one is King George's "You'll Be Back." <laughs> That's an amazing song. It is fantastic. You know, I mean, it's the one song that I can sing. You know. When I- <laughs> Uh, you know, but you know, it's just you know, I'll send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. <laughs> you know, just like um, that made my uh, that made my my uh, annual July Fourth uh, Facebook post. Right, um, and I like that it's it's broken up into three parts, but it always comes across consistently as a breakup song. Oh yeah, no, he's totally the de- the deranged ex boyfriend who is yeah. stalking. That's also a historical reference to the Mad King George. 
Yeah, yes. he, he went completely insane because I think it was syphilis. Yeah, something like that. So I mean, that's that's one. I mean, that just as a catchy tune that I just you know I love, um, and you know, and delivery and everything is perfect. Um, you know, because it's the whitest guy on stage. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he he comes off as most English person I am. You know, I am the entire thing. But then for sheer emotional range it's basically helpless through satisfied yes yeah yes yeah yes mm-hmm. yeah i'm um, i'm i'm really big on the satisfied as well yeah because i mean uh, the the reason i love this and this is the reason i like the the uh the disney version compared to what i would probably have seen in the live version is because you can get different camera angles and it can make that already powerful um, choreography when yep. she goes backwards and rewinds and they do the yep. exact same thing completely in reverse. My wife was yeah. just uh, talking about how amazing that choreography is in that mm-hmm. song earlier today. Um, and just it, just that whole thing, um, you know, and then there are, there are uh, that reverbs throughout the play. I know my sister's mind like my own mind. That's um, one of my favorite musical phrases in a while. The, the way that goes up and down, like mm-hmm. me, like from the tones. Um, mm-hmm. And I won't try to sing it because I don't I don't have that kind of range. Uh, but it, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a low baritone, so right, not an alto. Um, <laughs> um, hit me hard enough in the right places, I can hit a soprano, but not for long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna say an alto. That's not an alto line. That um, no, that, that that's totally alto. My mom can I'm sing that, and she's an alto. <laughs> but so the thing I like about we're it, gonna have to have a fight later, Becca. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So the thing the thing I like about um and each of those there's things I like about. So in you'll be back. George changes like when he first comes out, he's got all that regalia, you know, and stuff like that. And he's just he does that little mincing walk. And then when he comes out the second time, it's a little more, you know, casual. And then the third time, he's actually, you know, almost like he's in the set, you know, watching what's going on. Um, have you ever heard the story behind that walk? Uh, yeah, because the crown was crown and cape were so damn heavy, and he was afraid that he was going that that he was going to trip and break them. Yeah, (laughs) all over, yeah. And it also blows my mind when you're like King George also sang the reindeer song in Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I like how it's you a man who can do both. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like how that how how George evolves or devolves as it goes along. Mm-hmm. Um, in with with helpless and um, and satisfied. Like I said, that whole thing where everything goes backwards and they do it in such a way that you almost don't see it until you see it. Mm-hmm. And you're going, holy crap, this is where we are. Um, and that uh, leans into another thing uh, throughout the play. When anything that is going forward, the, the outer circle of the, of the, of the uh, stage rotator always turns in the same direction, clockwise. Mm-hmm. And when it's going backwards in in uh, satisfied, it it, uh, it uh, rotates Wittershins. Yep, goes counterclockwise. Yep, Wittershins is fun is more fun to say. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so yeah, that's my that's my two favorites. Okay. Um, um, 
So yeah, because those are the two. One, one is which is the one I can sing the most, and the other is the one that has the most emotional impact. Mike, your turn. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, I it's hard to really um pick a favorite per se. Um, and give a few that stood out. Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about you'll be back, but Ben makes a lot of good points, and um, that actually one of the things that was a standout for me was the performance of King George. I just loved that, like the whole like sassy and ridiculousness of <laughs> of King George. And uh, yeah, you're right. By the time like the last bit that he did, like he was actually like on the sidelines, like dancing around and like getting into it, which is a weird like kind of meta thing where like in actual history um an actual reality not just a portrayal of it Mm -hmm. you had england and the relationship that england had with the american colonies then becoming america then over time how that relationship has grown and changed and um you know in in many ways with like all the uh all the culture that america exports including broadway musicals um there's a lot of the like um you know American culture that can affect uh, uh, culture in UK. And so I think that's kind of fitting that like you had King George like dancing along to the like political battles of America. Um, Mm -hmm. Almost like it's a reality show kind of a thing where he's like, oh, they're going to tear each other apart and all this stuff, you know? (laughs) So I thought that was kind of amusing. Um, So yeah, anyway, my my picks, um, the room where it happens was really good. Um, And there was a lot of things about that that I thought was um, interesting. And um, the fact that that was more of like, that's kind of more like a jazz number than like a hip hop yeah. thing. So it was a little different. And I thought that was mm-hmm. cool. Um, and it's like- Any it's- Broadway musical that, uh, that, uh, that, that necessitates someone playing a banjo is a win in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, it was it was different without feeling out of place, which sometimes yeah. can be hard to pull off. And um, I feel like the group choreography um, really shined on that one and a lot of the like the blocking and how they did stuff. And um, I agree with what Ben said, where there are certain tracks where I could totally see where it can be. Um, you can get more out of it when you watch the filmed version where you get different camera angles and it knows what to like emphasize and stuff than just like viewing it in uh, and a particular showing in person of course obviously it also depends on how good your seats are as well and where (laughs) what angle you're at um so yeah i thought that was cool um and it was an interesting um it was an interesting piece as well because you know it, it touches on the whole like um the whole theme of you know history history as it's told and as you learn it and then what actually happened and then what um what aspects of it even amongst the people that were you know living that history there's so many aspects of like these important like events and negotiations and wars and whatever it is where people think they know what's going on but if they're not directly involved they're ultimately just taking other people's word for it you just don't know some of the specifics Um, so i thought that was kind of cool both just the just the fun like performative aspects and the deeper aspects of it that kind of blended well which of course is a theme for the whole you know show um let's see aside from that um, I think my shot was really good, and I think it, it helped establish tone very well. And I feel like it also had just great callback fodder for a lot of other bits and pieces and beats and other songs where it kind of helped like get the whole rhythm of the show. So I feel like the show as a whole owes kind of a debt to that track because without it, a lot of the other stuff doesn't work as well. And it's just a fun, you know, it's just a fun track with cool choreography in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are my big two that stand out, I think. I had the shot glass with that on it. 
Very nice. Kevin, I believe it is your turn. Yeah, I have a, I'm a long-time Hamill fan, uh, so uh, I've had many years to uh, ruminate on my favorite songs, and it comes down to uh, two of my favorite performances on there, which are, um, uh, what am I, I'm blanking on it, um, Wait For It by Leslie Odom Jr., who is my favorite uh, male vocalist on the on the cast. Um, but just that song, it paints, I mean, it, it gives uh, uh, Burr a very sympathetic uh, outlook um, that I think is necessary. Um, I mean, Burr was, I mean, as he was, he was a person and as much as he's the, as, as he says in the end of the villain in our histories, I mean, he had his own wants, desires and, and whatnot. He loved his family. Um, and that, that kind of put a sympathetic uh, spin on his character, uh, in my opinion. And my other favorite song is One Last Time um, by Christopher Jackson and yeah. Manuel Miranda, um, just because it's, I don't know, so, uh, I, I don't know, just the, it's so powerful. Um, I, I like, I love Christopher Jackson in that role, um, but it's such a powerful farewell to Washington. And when they use his own words at the end, yeah. to this day, I still, and I've listened to this album hundreds of times. I've seen it live twice. I've watched the boot, a bootleg version of it dozens of times. And I still tear up every single time uh, when, when they start reading his actual words. From the actual, yeah, from his yes. actual farewell address. Yes. It and is. I love the King George reaction to that too. In the later track, where he's like, right. "Voluntarily gave up his part." You can do that. Right. Yeah, no, just when he's like walking out, like dumbfounded at <laughs> looking at Washington, and Washington has has this like very stately, uh, you know, walk out, and then King George is like, "What the?" Right. Well, and Washington's all of Washington's raps are very measured, like Washington himself. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's very metered. Mm-hmm. Well, and the something I was pointed out was that um the more relaxed he is the more he sings mm-hmm. so at the end so at the very beginning you know it's everything that washington does is a rap and mm-hmm. and by the time you get to one last time he is just singing because he is at peace finally and he's relaxed and he's no longer fighting for the country that he helped found right. and he's just going off to rest finally get to retire yes <laughs> So my, one of my favorite interactions between Washington and and, uh, and, uh, and Hamilton um, is when he's asking him to be the treasury. He's like, Treasury of State. I understand this will be a you know Treasury of State. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, just 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 answer the question, George. Treasury of State, man. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, Secretary of the Treasury. Let's go. All right, let's do. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Becca. Yes, now that all the good ones have been taken. Um, well, I mean, you can easily just agree with people because that's mostly what I'm going to do. So fair enough. I <laughs> am a sucker for the cabinet battle. <laughs> Which one? Um, both, bo- one or two, or both? The first one, mm-hmm. because it give one of my favorite lines in the whole show. Well, it inspires one of my favorite lines in the whole show. Is um, I'll see if I can get it right. Uh, they don't. Oh God! Okay, um, they don't have a plan. They just hate mine. Like that line just kills me. And cabinet battle sets that up. I also, of course, absolutely love satisfied and helpless, just because I am a weird kid and I like the emotional trauma that is set up there. Also, the Philip Schuyler's final song—not Philip Schuyler, Philip Hinton's final song. 
oh my god, it kills me just because of the drum beat in the back that's happening. Yeah. And it just stops while they're singing and it kills me every time. You want to talk about crying. It's an, it's an unfortunate I, way to describe it. It kills you. <laughs> and I ugly cry. Like, not even like a Liv I, Tyler in Lord of the Rings. It's pretty sexy cry. No, I'm talking ugly cry. <laughs> but I, so there's there's really no song I don't like. Yeah. Like, I even love... um. Oh God, the the one right before King George's first song where they're debating um, with Samuel Seabury. Is that Farmer Refuted? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I love I, the pace of it. I also well, the, I I love the line "Don't modulate the key and then and then refuse and, and not debate with me" because it, it music quick brief music geek thing. That's exactly what like it goes up a, a semitone. So it it changes keys right before that happens. It's um. awesome. I also absolutely love all the different callbacks to various musicals, mm-hmm. like um, the modern on the modern major general. Yep. Um, which obviously is from Pirates of Penance. Um, Nobody mm-hmm. needs to know, which is from the last five years. It's an homage mm-hmm. to that. And then you have um, oh, uh, sit down, John, you fat mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is from 1776. Yes. Um, there's a there's a whole rap. Um, yeah, Ten had... Dual Commandments is just a straight biting of the Ten Crack Commandments by Biggie Smalls. Oh yeah, true. Um, I actually watched a thing where they were talking about like um, when he was doing um, the first one, the not throwing away my shot or my shot or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, Mulligan, Lafayette, and Lawrence are all based on like 90s rappers their style mm-hmm. and then 80s like late 80s early 90s and yeah. then hamilton's based on, on like more complicated rap that came in in like the late 90s early 2000s yeah because so they're all doing very basic old school you know i am you know my, my name is x in the place to be which is like it it it, it was it it was cliche in the 90s and then hamilton shows up with this multi-syllabic Rhyme syllabic. scheme and yeah, syllabic, syllabic, whatever. You say potato, I say pimp. I say tater. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I I agree with pretty much everyone. Um. Uh, <laughs> of like, um, for a while. So up uh, on my fifth and sixth rewatch of the, of this uh, of of the musical. Um, because I don't have anything better to do with my time. Um. And my my opinions have kind of have evolved. Satisfied was has was my first kind of go to track. Um, and then a, a track that I absolutely adore that no one else has mentioned yet um, is Guns and Ships. I just love how David Diggs just goes absolutely just goes insane on that track. Yeah, I was hoping to bring that one up because yeah. it's so. He hits uh, he hits 204 words per minute while also doing a, a while also doing a, a semi passable French accent. Um, so fun, fun weird story. <laughs> the first live performance I ever saw of that song was not by Debbie Diggs. It was by my baby sister who was drunk as a skunk and she got every word right. Um, <laughs> that is impressive. I couldn't do that, and it's <laughs> and like I've listened to that two or three times a day. Um, I also agree with uh, with Kevin uh, that "Wait for It" is 
like wait for it really really sells burr as a character which is so important because he is the he's not the antagonist really like he he's the end antagonist but he is the, he is the he is a through line he's really more sort of a co-protagonist in my opinion so- have you heard the song um, that was cut from the production called Congratulations? Yes. So Congratulations kind of points out that the real antagonist antagonist to is Hamilton Alexander himself. Hamilton yeah, is that's, Alexander Hamilton. That's always yeah. the way I interpreted it. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with what you said, Neil. Like Burr, like, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like, if you got a frenemy thing going on and mm-hmm. like, he kind of helps him like it, get his start and understand things in a sense. And then they become rivals and obviously it comes to a head with the election and everything. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, ultimately like I just viewed him as another protagonist and that, you know, mm-hmm. Alexander Hamilton's own flaws were the real antagonist yeah. of the story. If there's a mm-hmm. single antagonist. Yeah, See, but... was kind of the counterpoint mm-hmm. to Hamilton, <clears throat> you know, every, cause Hamilton, he was, he was almost like Hamilton's foil. Yeah. Everything Burr wanted to do, Hamilton got. Yep. Which is what makes the last number, not last number, but the, uh, the duel between Burr and Hamilton so brilliant. Because for once, Burr actually takes his shot and doesn't wait for it. And Hamilton waits. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet irony. I threw away his shot, actually. Hmm? Yeah, he threw away his shot. Yeah. And, um, and the thing about that, mm-hmm. I, I love the lead up to it, the letters between the two of I remain your <laughs> obedient servant. I have that, the honor to be your obedient servant. I do have one final thing to say here before we, before we go on. Um, but that is, if I were auditioning for this show, I would totally want to be Washington because he has the most of my favorite songs that he gets that, that gets to sung that gets to be sung. <laughs> it used to be like Washington or Burr would be either either one would be the ones I'd really want to do. Although I have a I kind of top out at the at the, uh, at the top end of Dear Theodosia. So so I'm gonna say I'm gonna make a prediction mm-hmm. that in the next two to three years Theodosia is going to become a very common name that people will be naming their babies. Possible. It's a good name. I, I like it. I, I I'll take that over and other then, names that I could that I could uh, that I could mention, but will probably uh, piss off you know half of my half of our fan base, all three of them. It sounds like a uh, prescription medication or a, a tropical drink. Theodosia. Theodosia. Yeah. Theodosia with a twist. <laughs> Theodosia on the rocks. <laughs> so what I find interesting, because I was looking up a little bit of history on Aaron Burr, is that mm-hmm. when he got divorced from his wife, um, her divorce attorney was Alexander Hamilton Jr. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's wow. That's really weird. <laughs> that's who she hired. <laughs> was this a, was this before or after um the duel? So Alexander Hamilton Jr. is one of his is his younger son, and since yeah. Philip died when he was nineteen, I'm gonna say later. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> but the other part that's really interesting about Hamilton is the concept of you have no control who tells your history, and yeah. I'm gonna present that nowhere is this more clear than in the fact that if you compare, and I'm not sure if everyone's seen this, so I'm sorry, 1776 is John Adams compared to Hamilton, John Adams. 
you get yeah. a completely different feel for that man. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Jefferson. That's an even bigger one. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of that is, uh, that's all, all in the way that Chernow wrote about them. Um, oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Chernow was not a fan of, I don't think, of either man in general, but writing from Hamilton's perspective as well, I mean, very much highlighted the flaws of both men in 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 the biography. Yeah, I haven't read the biography, so I'd have to take your word for that for that there. But well, there's also the fact that Aaron Burr actually stood more against slavery openly than Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, uh, like, no, during their lives. No, he owned slavery. Aaron Burr owned slaves up until the day he died and didn't release them. He he really? handed his slaves on to his daughter. Um, in his will, but but Hamilton uh, was he wasn't a, a staunch abolitionist, but he was an abolitionist. Um, he briefly, I mean, he may have, I mean, there's some conjecture whether he actually owned owned them as slaves or not. Um, but he had servants, and he did at one point facilitate a transaction regarding slavery. But he was pretty hands off on slavery. Now he wasn't. You know, as ardent uh, abolitionist as John Adams, who was ha- who had nothing yeah. to do with it whatsoever, wanted nothing it to do with it whatsoever. It um, should be pointed out that historically, in uh, in 1784, Burr did actually propose uh, a uh, yeah. the abolition of slavery as a New York State Assemblyman. Right, so, but he still then owned slaves yeah, and did not slaves. do the right thing and manumit them. Uh, mm-hmm. If he was really against slavery, he would not have continued to own them, even keeping them in bondage after his death. So I'll, I will argue that he was not a abolitionist in any sense other than that uh, one proposition. However, uh, back on uh, Hamilton, he uh, he was fairly against it, but again, not a focus of his life. And But Eliza, after his death, went on to do mm-hmm. a lot of abolitionist work that was based on uh, viewpoints that Hamilton had. Yeah. Hamilton definitely wasn't John Lawrence. <laughs> but he would never have t- taken part in the slave trade mm-hmm. that much because of how he was raised. Yeah, I mean, having been raised amongst the Caribbean slave trade, uh, mm-hmm. he could have never been a part of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, even after um, you know all that, he still was you know active in ending the legality of international slave trade. So, I mean, he did work towards it, but like you said, he wasn't like a staunch abolitionist. I mean, he, he wasn't abolitionist, he just was never a focus, which is also why it's not a focus in the play. He never right. made a, a huge part of it, which, I mean, people can argue that it's a flaw in his character, but it was just never his forefront, uh, the forefront of his any of his efforts. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's sorry, that's to, sorry to jump on you uh, <clears throat> on, on that, Becca, but... Uh, that's fine. I'm, I still a... hold the point that he did more to abolish slavery than George Washington did. Oh, well, George Washington was, his record on slavery was we, as, as like, Jefferson's, well, almost as bad. Yeah. If you watch this this show, they they almost elevate him to a saint. Right, which is, we, we all tend to do that. I mean, American yeah. history has tended to do that. Not all of us, but collectively as Americans, we have tended to do that. Yeah. Which goes back to my <clears throat> history in of, general. You can't control who actually tells your story. Right. Yeah, and I think part of the point with that was that uh, they mentioned that um, Hamilton didn't have like everyone else got to kind of control the narrative of their lives as they got older, whereas Hamilton died and his detractors got to trash him for years 
And I couldn't help that he also trashed himself in right, but one like, of the stupidest get... public public in, image moves I've really right. ever seen. Right. Uh, <laughs> but he never got to like later on. He never got to be part of that discussion of his own legacy. Yeah. Um, as the nation got grew and became stronger, I'm at the part. I've got uh, Hamilton playing in the background, and I'm on one last time, and they're getting to that <laughs> point, and I'm, you know, getting a little misty over here. <laughs> It's a fantastic piece. <sighs> That's one of the recurring themes throughout the um, <clears throat> throughout the show is um, uh, pri- priorities and political maneuvering because um, you know they, you have these debates about um, how you like what you agree to and what's worth compromising and all this stuff in order to have a country in the first place. Uh, so you know. Um, you see a lot of, you know, a lot of back and forth and some of that. And then, of course, there's the whole, like, <clears throat> there's the whole concept of, like, honor and obligations and stuff. Like, when you have the, I think it was at the um, the cabinet battle. Was that cabinet battle, too, when they were two. when they were talking about whether they should involve themselves in the war yeah, between the French and the English? That's two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, I was going to say, I had a, a thought, but this is, the song drove it out of my head. <laughs> At least it's not picking up on the audio, so that we don't have to worry about, uh, right. about I, I, Disney. I was, uh, watching my uh, on Discord, I was watching my ring to see if it was lighting up at all, <laughs> and it's not picking up at all. Yeah. That's why I wear headphones. Um, I also have headset on, so mm-hmm. yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting here in the middle of a room with a phone, um, speakerphone, <laughs> no less. Right. Well, otherwise I can't hear you. Um, yeah. Interesting thing, though, Burr's later life is filled with, you know, quasi treason and just, it's just like reading more about Burr, you know, the, and I was just like, dude, no wonder you, you, you ended up being playing second fiddle to Hamilton. Yeah. Um, Burr led, led an interesting life. Um, I, uh, I, I, I am reminded of, uh, of, uh, what Alec Harden, Hardison says of him in leverage. It's like, this is the most unstable politician that we've seen in American politics since Alex, since Aaron Burr. And Burr shot a guy. <laughs> the whole duel actually, thing was, I mean, that was like a recurring thing, though. So it's not like that was some unique thing, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. duels were duels were just a thing back then, but... Yeah. Um, Illegal, even in New yes. Jersey, but yes. still a thing. Yeah, everything's legal in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, most disputes die. No one shoots. <laughs> I do, actually, uh, it's actually funny how many um, that duels that uh, Angelica's husband fought. Uh, John Church. He actually had a duel with Aaron Burr and shot one of Aaron Burr's buttons off. Um, <laughs> but that was all the all the damage that came of it. Like he missed. Otherwise, speaking of duels, I am reminded of one of my favorite almost definitely apocryphal quotes of uh, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln was, uh, according to this according to this legend, Lincoln was challenged to a duel. And as the challenge E, he was given, uh, he, he gets to choose the battlefield and the weapons. So he was, chal- you know, sir, I challenge you to a duel. Name, name, the, name the place and, and equipment. And his response was sledgehammers and six feet of water. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know Lincoln was six eight, and you know did uh, did did uh, log splitting in in his uh, in his twenties. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know it, it's almost definitely apocryphal, but it's a very fun little story. <laughs> right. And we lost Becca. And now she's back. Hooray! Back in. 
Ah, <laughs> like, oh, glad it, at least it's not me. <laughs> For a change, right? Uh, so yes, I don't know. I, I, my my brain stopped. Um, Becca is transmitting, but I'm not hearing anything. Oh, yeah, really? yeah, you were. You were trans. You were transmitting silence. I you were listening to the sound of silence from you. So you you have no idea. Your little anecdote about he got to choose the weapons and the place, and mm-hmm. then I guess I cut out because there was nothing, and I was just sitting ah. there in anticipation, waiting for the rest of the story. Going oh, okay. Come on, Neil. Well, I, I will. I will repeat the story, and everybody listening to the podcast will hate you, Becca. Um, no, you don't have to. Please. <laughs> It's okay. You can tell sledgehammer me. Sledgehammer, six feet of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sledgehammers and six feet of water. Uh, okay, thank you. Yeah. I, s- I uh, learned some, tri- to me. <laughs> some trivia this weekend about Hamilton, um, especially some of the uh, like behind the scenes. Uh, David Diggs is actually, um, I don't know if they're actually in a relationship or they're just really good friends, but one of the ensemble cast members um she is the one with like the she's um she's black and she has like the like the blonde the blood the blonde poof on the top of her head uh on the front of her head she plays um and some she's like she's like the one that whispers to king george about john adams yeah she's the bullet yes she she, after she is killed she's also the uh the rebel that's killed in uh before Mm -hmm. um she dies like three times on stage, yes, but she plays uh, death in the rest of the, the. She is death in the rest of the. That's one of the mm-hmm. themes. She's always Her like name. the bullet, and like she carries the bullet to Hamilton uh, twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, one that it misses that goes over his head, but then another, the one that strikes him. She she yep. plays death, but she's also in the Umbrella Ca- Academy. Um, yeah, she, she plays, plays the rumor. Du Bois. Yes. Uh, she plays uh, what's the actual character's name? Uh, Allison. She plays remember. Allison Argus, yeah. but yeah, uh, she's two. been number uh, two, number three. Yeah, she's been. Uh, her and David Diggs have been, I guess, good friends or an item for a while. That was something I learned the other day, and as well as the fact that she plays, she is themed as death throughout most of the uh, show. According to Wikipedia, they've been in a relationship. That was all my my little trivia that I had there <laughs> at the moment. I like I like David yeah. Diggs. I find him sometimes on TikTok, and he has the best videos. <laughs> Diggs is great. Um, I saw a really fun interview with him uh, with uh, with uh, Colbert. Uh, it was on Colbert's show, and um, Colbert was talking about how man, you know, it, it's it's really it's re- really amazing because because Colbert had apparently just seen Hamilton, and it's like. You know, you know, you really get the the the, the emotion about it, and and Diggs is like, yeah, I, I guess, and and Ham, and Colbert was like, really, you don't feel that? And it's like, well, I mean, I have you you haven't been in it five hundred times now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really true. Like it, it I it, it is hard to keep the energy going for for long periods of time. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I go out, I do my role, I come back in. <laughs> yeah, after a certain point, you do start to go, okay, it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you have a mental breakdown, either way. Yep. Right. Yeah. You can imagine you know, Bob Hoskins. Uh-huh. Nothing, I'm being a dork. Well, that's what, you're, that's what this is all about. So supposedly Bob Hoskins, when he's doing Who from Roger Rabbit, started seeing hallucinations because he got a little bit too into the character. Uh. <laughs> I heard that too. I just had picked that up. 
I, I want I want that to be true, so I'm going to choose to believe that that's true. That's why he wasn't in any movies for a while after he did it. You remind me of the time that I hallucinated. Um, it was during a, a move, um, and I had been up for about 40 hours at that point because I put everything off until the second to last day before I had to, until the day before I had to turn in my keys at the old apartment. And um, on the last run of stuff to the new place, which was happening at about four in the morning, I was kind of nodding off at the wheel, which was not safe. Luckily, there was no one else on the road because it was four o'clock in the morning. But I kept seeing six foot tall, light blue animated penguins that were trying to jump in front of my car. This is a true story. Um, and I, to which I said, I am so very, very thankful. This is my last run because if it weren't, I think I'd probably like crash my car and die. <laughs> Technically it was my second to last run, but, uh, because I still had to go back and turn in the keys at 8am. But what I did was I went back to the old apartment, um, and took a three hour nap in my car. And felt much better afterwards. <laughs> I uh, went and found the, uh, the story behind Bob Hoskins on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and yep. popped it in the chat for you guys hey. if you want to peruse that later. Apparently it was because he was always alone on stage because there was never, that was before green screen and CGI and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was really hardcore method acting being with bun- a bunch of cartoons and it really messed him up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right then. So you can not only choose to believe it's correct because it was apparently actually correct. I just love the juxtaposition of hardcore method acting with cartoons. Uh huh. Anyway, moving on because this is a rabbit hole. No pun yes. intended, but we've uh, <laughs> we've gone way off track. Yeah. And I'm watching King George uh, dance and drop it like it's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make it rain too. Yes. Oh yeah, that was great. So I I just want to say this this is something that that's that's bugged me for a long time. Okay. That is not how you spell Skyler, in my opinion. You're not Dutch. I know I'm not Dutch, but it bothers the hell out of me. That's, I mean, it's, it still works. Mm-hmm. I mean, phonetically, it still even works. Yeah, it just bothers me. Also, I love how Peggy gets to be Maria Reynolds, so, like, every Skyler sister, like, <laughs> has eyes for Alexander Hamilton. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, can we talk about how great a performance that was by Jasmine Cephas Jones in that one song? I mean, like yeah. she's very nasally and whatnot as Peggy, but then she comes out and delivers this absolutely knockout, steamy performance mm-hmm. as uh, I'm blanking on her name. The Maria Reynolds. Maria Reynolds. Um, yeah, no, that was a, that was a knockout performance on on her part. I think I think Renee Goldsberry wins at female performers in this show. That's one opinion. Skyler. Yes, Eliza is good, but I do love me some Angelica. I think Philippa Sue is the better vocalist, but I can see how you would say that it's a better performance overall as Angelica. Angelica gets better songs, which helps. That's true. Uh, Eliza, some of Eliza's songs, at least for me in the beginning, came off as a little annoying. I, I want to, um, just as an aside, uh, I want to point out I loved how I love that bit where. Eliza got to beatbox for Philip. Like yes. that was really yeah, nice. that is excellent. <laughs> that that made my uh. So I I watched this the third time. Third time? Yeah, third time with my uh with my mom and my dad. Um, and um, 
and that that got a chuckle out of both of them. Also, my dad really actually really enjoyed uh, the show, which he didn't think he was going to because um, he doesn't particularly like hip hop, or at least he doesn't think he likes hip hop. I'm pretty sure really he doesn't have an idea of what good hip hop sounds like. He probably hasn't doesn't have experience with hip hop. Yeah, I mean, I would have said the same thing up up through about my junior year of college when I when I discovered a few underground people who were who I just realized were just yeah fantastically masterful like mf well, doom i think it's a, uh, a lot of musical genres um mm-hmm. where it's like you don't you think you don't like an entire genre but really it's like a particular era of the genre mm-hmm. or like the popular contemporary artists yeah of genre. like i feel like to, to take another you know vastly polar almost polar opposite kind of thing country music is very much that way i, I can't grew stand up, bro I country i couldn't stand um country music for the most part growing mm-hmm. up uh, but then as I got older, I would, I, it's still not one of my like favorite genres. It's still pretty low on the totem pole, but I mm-hmm. like, I like the genre a lot more than I used to. when I was younger and there's a lot more like individual artists or bands I can point to that. I'm like, this is a good example of it. Yeah. I, um, I, so yeah. I, I'm the same way. I can think of many very good country, uh, country music artists. None of them get played on the radio though. Of course, yeah, when your parents just... annoy you with certain stuff, you're, you're going to reflexively yeah. not like it. And yeah. then later on, you might come around and be like, you know, this is actually good. I just couldn't appreciate the time because my annoying mom or dad was, you know, blasting it at me. <laughs> like, like I think Garth Brooks is a legitimately good artist, but I was a young kid having my mom, like, blast Garth Brooks while I was a hostage in the car. And I was like, no bueno. <laughs> yeah. Merle Haggard, George Strait, and what was the other one that I can't stand? You can't stand George Strait? No. No, but not George. Alan Jackson. Yeah. Oh, and Randy Travis. Yeah, I, I can I can see I can see her disdain for Andy Travis. Um. <laughs> to speak to Neil's point real quick as well, I, I think this is a good this is a great thing to if you have someone who thinks that they don't like like that they don't like hip hop or rap or whatever at, like categorically. Um, if they watch this, they might change their mind a bit because I feel like. Awesome. There's a lot of like the core of um, like actually good like quality hip hop and rap comes from poetry, and this is like poetry, you know. Yeah. Also, this one goes into a lot of, but I don't like musicals. I hate people that are like, but I don't like musicals. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite movies in general, is a musical. It is a very non-standard musical that I have had so many people just reject because it's an opera is it repo it's repo repo's great repo's amazing (laughs) it's another how did i know it was gonna be repo (laughs) because you've met me So Hamilton bridges this other gap that we have in people that do not give musical theater a chance. Mm, it yeah, and it's it's Ooh, just it's, yeah like it, it's it's so it's it's just so good. Um, well, Hamilton does something for me as a history major too. It humanizes history so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, no, I mean words on paper anymore. Yeah, huh? it's not just dry words on paper anymore. Exactly, you know. Alexander Hamilton created a national banking system. No, it was so much that. Yeah. Right, yeah, no. In the room where it happened. And and like they, the, you you kind of think of hyperbole in the film in the uh, thing, but like, had he not done what he did, like America probably wouldn't have survived financially as a country. Like it would have broken up and devolved back into regions or states. You know. Yeah. Uh, that would have been easily picked off again by by the British in but, 1812. 
<laughs> well, probably even before that. They probably would have struck before mm. that if uh, the country had dissolved. But, I mean, it was, it's a dry subject, like, you know, Ben was talking about, but it was a very important thing that yeah. he did. Well, did I you... think another... Go ahead. Go ahead, Becca. So, um, didn't do the in-depth research, basically just kind of fiddling around. Have you heard any of the, the stuff that Hamilton proposed in the um, talked for six hours? Oh, gosh, yes. It was... That was a little... Uh... <laughs> that that like, was covered in the biography a bit and it's come on man like he basically proposed having a, a royalty system uh-huh no turn out it explains new. why he does that um kind of goes into this like the psychology of his life but coming out of the revolutionary war it's like what the crap are you talking about man sorry i keep talking over you becca it's fine i'm just gonna cry in the corner <laughs> did it again well, you know, something that doesn't um, <clears throat> that doesn't actually come up in the play, but is a somewhat well-known historical fact, at least I hope it is, uh, for everyone's sake, um, is that um, when George Washington was, uh, you know, w- when he was about to become president in the early stages, there, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, yeah, he should totally be the king of America. People mm-hmm. were like, oh, yeah, George yeah. Washington is so great and the perfect leader. He should be our king. And there were like, moves to king to to like, uh, to King George Washington. And he, uh, he was like, guys, what the fuck? What, we just fought a whole war over this shit. Like, yeah, what's like, wrong with you? No, <laughs> I'm not. I will never be anyone's king. Like, stop yeah. it. And that was I'm, I'm sure that was a contributing factor yeah. to why he was so um, he yeah. felt so strongly about stepping down and not, uh, you know, just going term after term because he was so popular and successful. Yeah, no, he, he could have been the president for a very long time. If, you have if to he had, well. if he had run again, he definitely would have won in another landslide. This was long they, before term limits for presidency was a thing. Thank you, until the modern era. Roosevelt. <laughs> Roosevelt. Franklin he, Delano. He was the one that got that put in place because you. I am aware of the Twentieth Amendment, the lame duck yeah. amendment that was passed. I just I've never heard it was Roosevelt. Well, it was, it was in response to him, not that he did it. Yeah, no, it was because he it was because he was elected for four terms in office. Wait, was that a play on words like a ruse, Roosevelt? Is yeah. that, I don't. Or are you just complaining about the way I pronounce his last name? Yes, I'm not oh. questioning the history. I know the history. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Jeez. Misunderstood. Apologies. Back, you go to the corner and cry. <laughs> I refuse. Hard. I will later, but not because of this. It's because George Washington stepped down. Speaking of Washington, um, I kind of feel like um, he was kind of the middle ground between um, how Hamilton was and how Burr was, where Hamilton was like, I'm super ambitious. And I'm just going to I'm going to say all this stuff and just kind of run my mouth, even though I should maybe be a little more circumspect at certain times. <laughs> and then Burr was like, oh, I'm just going to hedge back and not really, you know, stand for anything. I'm just going to do the politically opportune thing at almost every juncture, whereas like Washington like was bold when he needed to be, but was also like wise enough to keep his mouth shut when he needed to. Uh, like I feel like you know he was kind of uh, he was kind of like the middle between those extremes in some ways. He took the there, best part of those two approaches. Yeah. The moment that Hamilton just says, "I'm just, I'm gonna have to take a lesson from you, talk less, smile more," like it makes me laugh every time. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna uh, amend my uh, song selection right now, just real quick, um, because uh, I'm gonna have to add one to it because it kind of slipped my mind. But it's quiet uptown. Also, is a bit of a tearjerker. 
Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, no, that's also a very just a fantastic song. Yeah, it's it's hard. Like dealing with the unimaginable is the is is correct as far as that goes. Also, for that matter, we didn't mention uh, Hurricane, which I think, which is like yes. uh, also a really like honestly, the whole damn soundtrack's great. Everybody should see this. Everybody should see the damn show. Right, if you haven't um, already. I absolutely love all of the discussion that Hamilton has about death. I imagine death so much it feels more memory. Um, which is an actual is gonna get me, thing that he um, wrote. It, it, is it like a beat without a melody? That mm-hmm. that line right there, and then the song as he's being shot, having absolutely no instrumentals. Mm-hmm. That death is in fact a beat without a melody. Yes, good point. Like, I love that. Like yeah, and and, and by the way, like the, one of the, one thing I, I will say like to anyone who's listening and saying. Well, I don't have Disney Plus. One, it, Disney Plus is pretty cheap, and two, it's out on Disney Plus, which means it's out on the internet at this point. If you can, if you know where to look, that, that and it will not be a bootleg question. version like I had. Yeah, um, Disney Disney would shut that. Will shut that that shit down pretty quick. But once it's on the internet, it never really goes away. Well, there's there's a there's a trial for Disney Plus, but does it let you watch nope. Hamilton on no, the trial? No, it does not. Okay, see, that's an important thing to note. You do have to have a paid um, copy of, uh, of Disney Plus. One month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably worth it for a month just to like binge yeah. some of the great it's, stuff on there, like the Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian. And, and, yeah, yeah exactly. it's eight bucks, and you can binge the Mandalorian and ducktales 2017 and uh, oh yeah, absolutely and Hamilton <laughs> and the Incredibles and uh, like the uh, the '90s Spider-Man and X-Men co- uh, uh, cartoons. Um, Big Hero Six. Yeah, good stuff. All the Marvel movies. If you want to, if you want to sit down for for uh, for I think it's forty-three hours. <laughs> um, with the exception of the two Sony Spider-Man movies, because Sony. <laughs> wait, the two? Don't you mean the it's three? Two. Oh the, wait a minute! There wasn't a the two one. one the wait, two wait. ones that are actually part of MCU uh, that are actually part of the MCU. Oh, um, are from, are from Homecoming. Oh, Those are not oh, okay. on Disney Plus Tom because of, yes, the Tom Holland ones. Um, that was confusing because the original three movies were Sony movies. Yes. Yeah, because I was thinking there are they're all Sony, Sony Spider-Man movies. Yeah, they're all, all the Sony stand- movies. all the standalone ones are technically Sony movies. They just yeah. have the deal that they made for the yeah. latter ones because right? because Sony owns the uh, own, owns the rights to Spider-Man. So since we're talking about Spider-Man, are we going to talk about the failed musical? Turn off, turn the off the dark. dark. <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite punchlines ever. I love I would throwing lo- out a turn off the dark reference just to see who gets it. I would love to do an episode <laughs> on turn off the dark, but we only have like ten minutes left, so I'll, I'll put that on the list. On, on failed stuff in general, and that could be one of the things. Oh right. God, nerd things that had potential but then didn't. Yeah, failed nerddom. I, I'm not sure. Fail I'm not sure if I'm keen on a Spider-Man musical necessarily having potential in the first place, but. That's so true. <laughs> it had more it potential so, than the Shrek musical. Punisher, the musical. It, 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 it had so many problems. <laughs> it went so far under over budget. Spider-Man broke his leg twice during rehearsal. <laughs> what? Neil, you are a theater. What is the one, the musical that's on roller seats? Is it Starlight Express? It's Starlight Express, yes. <laughs> okay. 
That one also had a huge jury problem. Yeah. It's because it's on roller skates. <laughs> on roller skates on ramps above the 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 audience. Starlight Express, by the way, is a fantastic show if you really want to if, if you if you want to know kind of what it's like to be on uh on uh acid. Well I wouldn't say acid. Uh it's not really an mm-hmm. a- I'd, I'd say probably more like shrooms. Um some sort of hallucinogen. Yeah. <laughs> not much difference. Something where you ask yourself, what 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 is even what what is even happening right now? <laughs> it's also got some good songs. If you like trains, I like trains. I, I do. <laughs> uh, so we got about we got nine to ten minutes left, uh, plus plus however much we like to to fill our to fill our hour and thirty hour and thirty minutes that I shoot for. We got about ten minutes left. Um, do we want to talk about the gasp? Oh yes. Oh, at the very end. Yeah. yeah. So there's theories. What's our favorite? What's our favorite gasp theory? Uh, she died in Miranda showing uh, Eliza Hamilton how everyone actually came to listen to Hamilton's story. That's my favorite theory too. Yeah. Well, which? What is this? So, so at the very end of Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story, right before the blackout, Eliza gasps, and, and it is a matter of hot debate as to why is she gasping. Um, now I hadn't actually thought about that, uh, that Becca said, but I, uh, mm-hmm. I, cause I don't, I don't usually frequent like Reddit or anything like that, uh, where you mm-hmm. might see said theories. Um, I had always thought, you know, that she had, mm-hmm. that was her dying and seeing Hamilton again. Mm-hmm. That but, is, uh, that is another prevalent theory. That's a, that's a good one that Becca mm-hmm. had pointed out. Yeah. The, the one that I, and, and I agree, I agree that that's my favorite theory is that for just a moment, Eliza gets to see past the fourth wall mm-hmm. and realize that the story is being told. Yes. Because that's the whole thing about uh, Zalim and Miranda showing up on stage after Hamilton has died. And he always has his back to the audience at that point because he's not actually part of it. That's why he crosses play stage-wise or something like that. Because mm-hmm. you're never supposed to put, uh, turn your back to the audience kind of thing. Well, I mean, you, you, yeah, mostly. So there are a lot of theories on that. But mm-hmm. Philippus doesn't, doesn't even know why she did it. Yeah. That's the that's the best part. Um, wasn't even like part of the show. Uh, so her quote is, um, uh, "I would not be able to tell you what I was thinking in that precise moment when that shot was taken. That was in my brain." But was it like a written part of it? Was it written into the show? Um, or was it something that like happened the first time and they're like, "Oh yeah, let's keep that." Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to do some. I'm just trying to see. And truth be told. Um, Truth be told, Lin Manuel Miranda doesn't uh, doesn't you know put it. It's not in the original script. Was not. But it's part of the but it's part of the show now because everybody does it. Mm -hmm. Well, and it was on the soundtrack, I do believe. Yeah. Not everything was like the scream at the end of uh, um, uh, "Stay Alive," the reprise where Philip dies. That wasn't on the soundtrack. No. Although I do want to give a shout out to the horrible mistake that they made in deciding to take out the line southern motherfucking democratic republicans mm-hmm. yeah especially since they really they could have gotten away with one f-bomb and apparently they they thought oh fuh, was too much 
Well, that one's always been there, like even in the the soundtrack. Right. Yeah. No, they, they never said the F word there. Yeah. Even in the even in the edited even in the in the edited like without the parental advisory sticker soundtrack, it's there. But for some reason, they they did in fact break out both of the fucks. Yes. Which I agree, Southern uh, Southern Democratic uh, Southern Democratic Southern motherfucking Democratic Republicans. Yeah. Whatever the whatever the order is, is the better is the better fuck to have in there. That f- um, it, it feels like it flows better that way. Mm-hmm. It does, and it just it just drives such a great punch. Mm-hmm. Like, Although I also too- like Hercules Mulligan. If you knock me down, I get the fuck back up again. It would all it like either of those That's would have fair. been a worthy inclusion. I I feel I feel the Southern Democratic Republicans line deserves it better because it is first of all just so iconic, and second of all is such a. a it's such a character development. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. cocky as fuck. Yeah. I am not disagreeing with you at all. Oh, I, I have I, another I random do, aside yeah. I want to get sure. to before I forget as we're wrapping up here. Um, did <clears throat> did the performance? I, I only know a few of the actor names because I just watched it the other day mm-hmm. and just the one time. But um, the the performance of Thomas Jefferson does that mm-hmm. remind you of Cat Williams at all? I totally yes. got a Cat Williams, the comedian vibe. From when that. he's like got the cane, and he's like walking like that. Yeah, like how he's dressed, yeah. how he like his mannerisms, yes. the weight, like a lot of the stuff he, how he like moved and and sung or whatever. Like I was getting a very Cat Williams vibe. You know, I couldn't, have, I couldn't have put a word to that before you said that, but that is exactly the how I have like thought uh, the vibe I got from that song. Anyone who's not part familiar with a Cat Williams special, it'll Jefferson take you about a so minute much. to find out what I'm talking about. I, I can't. <laughs> I cannot stand Cat Williams's humor. Like, yeah, at I don't. All. I mean, I don't. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, like it bothers me on a visceral level. I just don't find him funny. I, I actually find him actively unfunny, kind of like oh, Jeff one of those Dunham. Rating things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can. I, yeah. Well, I can understand that. Anyway. Digressions. Oh, I, 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 I said that mostly because I thought I would start another fight with Becca. <laughs> I don't, I don't see many people that are lukewarm about Jeff Dunham. It always seems like they either love him he, or hate. Yeah, him. he's a very much love or hate comedian, and I'm definitely in the hate camp. I'm pretty much <laughs> lukewarm about him, so I'm, uh, I'm very I'll jump in the lukewarm category. Jeff Dunham, I could take him or leave him. Ahmed the dead terrorist is pretty funny, but it's his only fa- funny character, in my opinion. Peanut's my favorite of the, of his. Well, you know, Ben, it, we've had a good. Our friendship has had a good run, <laughs> <laughs> and it will continue. Uh, any final thoughts we want to throw out there? I think we're kind of out of stuff to say, unless somebody has something else they want to bring up. I'm out of topics to to broach. I think there's plenty to talk about, but not in like a few minutes. So yeah. well, I think we're we're out of. Yeah. Really usable so my, time. My final thought is great. Something I went I went with. I like Hamilton because it makes history approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's not just it doesn't come off just as you know. It, it's it's a interpretation of history that we don't get. You know, it's like and in seventeen seventy. It's not it's passionate. Mm-hmm. It's it's what history is really, really about. It's the it's a human story. Mm-hmm. A 1776 was not a boring story, as Becca and I can tell you. It was a good musical. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that uh, as far as like mm-hmm. historical accuracy goes, I wouldn't go into it expecting like good details. It's got the uh, the highlights pretty well, but as far as like individual details, almost none of them are correct. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not so much that. It, it hits the it hits the broad strokes right. and it tells the story. Right. Of, yeah. you know, it, it it does what it's supposed to do. It, it was never intended to be a historically accurate thing. Uh, yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda and Ron Chernow went back and forth about that uh, before mm -hmm. it was anything was ever written. But they it was always meant to be like a compressed story. You can't tell an accurate you can't tell forty years of someone's life accurately in three hours. Yeah. I mean, you and can't. it it has been doing a very good thing in in that it is uh, in that it is um, it, it is it is reinvigorating um, interest in Ameri in early American history. Yes, like because uh, like my dad was like, huh? I bet most of that was inaccurate. But I'd kind of like to read. I'd kind of like to maybe read a uh, read a biography of Hamilton now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually have looked up some of the letters between Angelica Schuyler and uh, Hamilton. They're interesting. It takes a long time to read them because they're in super fancy cursive, but uh, quite interesting. And also, we they use their vocabulary is much different than ours. We're yeah. talking about uh, historical accuracy versus like the presentation and format and all that. It reminds me of Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's not there is different compared to the books. But like, my God, you would never be able to pull that off if you had no. to be 100% faithful to the books. Like, no, you would. It just oh, yeah. wouldn't have happened. And of course, you know, much like people um, becoming more, you know, like this being a spark for people's interest in er early American history and some of the individual founding fathers and so on and so forth. Um, the Lord of the Rings did much the same thing where not like it exactly needed a press agent It's the fucking Lord of the Rings, but for a new generation of people that may not have read the books or read all of them, that got, that was the spark that got them to read the books. Yeah, now everyone's I mean, read the Silmarillion, right? My, my comment was never meant to be like, oh yeah, no, it was never meant to be a knock on the on the show but <laughs> some people are entirely too pedantic for their own good and that was just kind of a disclaimer to don't go into it expecting it to right. be that way right. it is in fact entirely an interpretation and a compression of the actual story well expectations yeah. i feel is another thing that's important in this like i felt like i went into it with the right the right expectations so i didn't feel like you know oh this is totally this is totally out of the blue or whatever. Like I wouldn't feel betrayed by how a particular thing happened because I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> this also breaks up the terrible trend that's going on right now of just taking early nineties movies and making them into musicals. And I appreciate it. For that. Yes. So annoying. Wait, that's a thing. I was not. Oh aware. my God. There's Heather's the musical legally blonde Beetlejuice. Oh, right. family. God, I hadn't really realized that you're right. Yeah, SpongeBob the musical, which is actually apparently pretty good. Um, um but yeah, like just <laughs> the world is obsessed right now with turning old movies that weren't musicals into musicals. And the Aladdin musical was good. Oh, the Lion King was really good too. Yeah. I mean, that's from was a while it? ago, but still. Yeah, I saw I saw that um I actually I actually my brother um helped uh hook up the family with good seats there and actually saw the, the Broadway show as it was meant to be seen. And holy shit, that's really good. That definitely lived up to the hype. Well, there's like, okay, but that was like quite a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I made that disclaimer. I said this was yeah. some time ago. This isn't the recent oh. trend. It's just, it reminded me of that because that was an early 90s music, movie that became a musical that was actually really good. But yeah, like that's, that's kind of what musical theater is fighting right now is movies that are being translated to musicals and that's why hamilton is kind of a great palette wash mm -hmm. well that brings me to what i would say for my final thought on this is um just the innovative nature of it 
of like the whole concept and then of course an amazing execution you have to have both of those things you can't really just have one um <clears throat> that's why it's transcended so many so many things where it's become this whole cultural phenomenon and you know obviously you talked about how popular it is and how, how many words it won and everything but that is just the fact that it was such a unique um idea and that it was it it changed the game like i feel like you know a lot of the things when it comes to a particular show or play or whatever is until someone does something that's just completely different like no matter how good something is there's kind of this plateau that it reaches within the art form you know and so this is one of those this was one of those moments where you did something completely different and did it well and then like that can become a springboard for other people to try it gives people like permission to do something that's totally different, you know, because then it's like, oh, well, you know, look at this where they did this so differently and it became this mega success. And that's my cautious optimism is that this will breed more, um, you know, uh, creativity within that. And if, again, Hopefully. very cautious optimism because we just talked, Becca just yeah. mentioned how lately there's been a whole well, <laughs> lack of that. Where it's like, it, it, should, it, should, it should be pointed out that lately... Broadway has been dark since March and will continue to be dark until sometime next year. <clears throat> well, that's always just a built-in assumption, yeah. <laughs> you know, within a lot so, of things. So it, it is my sincere hope that when Broadway reopens, we're going to see some, we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff because people have been able to, yeah. because playwrights will have, playwrights aren't going to stop writing plays in, in the middle of a pandemic. It'll take, a, it'll take a few years probably to get everything, to get things up on their feet. But I'm I I think that we have the very very much have a possibility for some very interesting and good theater in the next three or four years. Well, this this release on Disney Plus is also one of those things where it's like it kind of serves as a stopgap thing where it's like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of renews it, puts it in the puts it on the headlines and in people's brains again. I I am also know, very hopeful that this that this will set the precedent of getting video cast recordings to be more common and more and more regularly released um, because Broadway is such a is such a rich person um, hobby like yeah i mean sure you want to see you want you want people to be able to go and see the shows and seeing it live is different from seeing it on video but it's still like being able to see it on video and see it with decent with decently good production quality as opposed to a bootleg is you know like that, that that is some that is some of the only Broadway that some people are ever going to get to see because they live in a sea they live in a sea town uh, a sea tour town and they just never get the sh the shows. Well, also that might help from a from a you know people if people make uh, if people make shows with that in mind, I feel like that can also be helpful to the creative process and some of the diversity of like you know what kind of show you make. If you have it with a wider audience in mind, it might help discard some of the insular elitism that can crop up in that sphere. That's fair, and I also do not want to know how much tickets were to Hamilton. Like, don't don't burst my bubble. I don't well, want to know. If you're going in New York, they're ridiculously expensive. But honestly, for decent seats, uh, we paid about 200 a ticket to go to see it in Chicago. Both times we went and saw it. It isn't particularly horrible, but I should point out that last year I saw the tour. I saw the touring show of Les Mis for 43 bucks, and that was the and that was the touring Broadway show at the time um, here in Springfield. I don't think Hamilton's um, coming to Springfield anytime soon, though. Oh no, it's not coming <laughs> to Springfield anytime soon. It's true. Um, Even if it wasn't shut down for uh, for COVID, it would not be coming to Springfield anytime we, soon. We don't have enough draw. Um, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to go and see Cats, which was a shame. I'd love to see the sh the, the show version of Cats. 
Uh, we should I've talk about the movie the version of Cats at some point. I haven't seen I, it. I heard it's as awful as everyone <laughs> expected. Well, I heard as that was the one that looked. made you feel like you're on drugs just watching so, it. So, well, the show is like you're on drugs while you're watching it. The actual yes. musical. The movie, the movie, from what I have seen, which is not all of it, is like dropping acid while you have a fever. Okay, to be fair, it is T.S. Eliot. Yes, this is true. T.S. Eliot's the, work was yeah. never all that, hmm. Yeah, whereas the stage show is just like dropping acid. Uh, so. I'm just putting it, I'm just, I'm going to put this out there. I feel like it would be fun to watch the movie and then come back together and have an episode on that because yeah, we, we did an episode with something that's really good and universally mm. loved and then we could do kind of the flip side where it's something fucking ridiculous. <laughs> So do do that, do and then everyone drop acid, watch it again, and come back and see see what you think about it at the second time. Do back to back episodes where you do that. I suspect uh, it would make more sense somehow. If you did. Uh, we are out of things to talk about and time, and I need to. I have to be at work in uh, in in seven hours. So let us call it here. Everyone, thank you for uh, for listening to us ramble. Thank you, uh, thank you, Kevin and Becca, for for joining us uh, on the show. Um, sure you are good. you are welcome anytime that uh, that we're talking about something that you'd like to participate <laughs> in. Um, we will talk to you to all of you out there in uh, in Radio Land in two weeks about something else. Um, this has been Neil, the one true Ben, Mike, and Becca. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will see you next time on Geek Fanthology. All right. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter H and the number $10. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, leaving us a comment, liking, subscribing, following, commenting all those things that help build the algorithm. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either with a one-time donation on our website through PayPal, or a reoccurring one at Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. There's a million things we still haven't done. Just you wait. Just you wait.